Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. I am your host, Alyssa Robinson, and today my special guest is Reverend Karen Kraska. Karen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So glad that you're here. Thanks. Because we're going to be talking about the holy mystery of the Trinity. Um, so our big question today is, how do I experience the Trinity? And so we're going to talk about uh, what is the Trinity? How do we define it? How have we experienced it? All of these different things. And it's often referred to as a holy mystery because it's complex. Absolutely. And it's confusing sometimes. But just a broad stroke of what the Trinity is, is God expressed in three different ways. God is the Father, God is the Son, and God as the Holy Spirit. So the idea is that they are all one, and yet they are three distinct expressions of God. Um, So in a nutshell, that's the (laughs) Trinity. If you have any questions, I'm going to pass it over to Karen. (laughs) You know, it's funny because in our... um, in one of our, our meetings where all the pastors are present, we talk each week and have a devotional on our upcoming worship series. And so we were actually just talking this morning about beginning the worship series uh, on the Trinity and saying, you know what, we really have not, uh, we don't talk a lot about the Trinity. And it's kind of assumed and we we sing Trinitarian statements and we we say our creeds sometimes that have Trinitarian uh, uh, understandings, but we don't necessarily preach about or teach about the Trinity. Uh, in preparation for you know talking about this, since I knew I would be coming, um, I asked our confirmation leader to send me the curriculum on the Trinity, because I've taught confirmation so many times in this church and, and in others. And she said, you know what, Karen, we do a, we do a lesson on, on God the Father. We do a couple of lessons on Jesus Christ, Jesus as Son of God, and, and Jesus as human yet divine. And we do lessons on the Holy Spirit but we don't have a lesson on the Trinity for our confirmands. And I was like, wow. And then Daniel mentioned uh, in our meeting, you know, in our Bible studies and disciple curriculum and other things, there really aren't lessons specifically on the Trinity. It's been since seminary that we really, um, that I can say honestly, have studied the Trinity in depth. Mm. Well, and that's exactly why I wanted to have a conversation about it. Because like you said, if, if you... Uh, claim your Christianity for yourself, most likely at some point you've claimed that you believe in Trinity, in the Trinity, but it's, it's difficult because the Trinity is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. It is not. It is a, um, theological construct that's been created to try to understand God. And there are hints of the Trinity in the Bible and the ways that we see God express God's self. But as far as like the relationship between each, I think what we're most familiar with is the relationship between God, the father and God, the son, because uh, Jesus is human. It's someone we can relate to and understand. And we see examples of uh, Jesus being in conversation and relationship with the father. But then we have the whole Holy Spirit over there. And it's like, what's the relationship between God, 
the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit. And how are they connected to each other? And can we experience all three at the same time? Or is it just one at a time? And if God is both God, the father and God, Jesus, how is Jesus talking to God? If Jesus is God, you know, like it it starts to get really heady. Absolutely. Um, So I'm not saying we're going to provide all of the answers about the Trinity today, but Karen and I are just going to sit in the mystery a little bit and pontificate out loud together uh, of what the Trinity means to us, how we've experienced it and how we might be able to put these pieces together in some way. Uh, So Karen, I I wanted to start off by asking, what are some of the most common questions that you've gotten about the Trinity throughout your ministry? Do people ask you about it? Honestly, when you teach Sunday school or confirmation, I think those are more the times that I've gotten direct questions uh, from students of trying to understand this, especially I think the term that really trips people up is the Holy Ghost. Mm. We say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and and we sing that when we sing doxologies and Gloria Patris and... um, And so that term, Holy Ghost, is probably what most students get tripped up over. But as far as direct questions like understanding the Trinity, I think if you have been raised in a Protestant Christian church, it's just, it's a doctrine that we just have adopted, and it's just part of who we are as Christians. And so unpacking that or challenging it and realizing kind of where the construct came from and how it came to be that word. I mean, throughout scriptures, we, we, throughout the Bible, we, we draw lines and connect dots. And so to your point, the Trinity is not mentioned in scripture yet. Of course, God, the father, creator, God, um, Jesus and Holy Spirit are all are all referenced and entwined and cross-referenced, and we know the Holy Spirit was there moving over the waters in creation. So we we know that the Holy Spirit was present uh, when the creation of the world began. And and to your point, there's so much mystery that I would be uh, I would I, I would not be doing God any favors to say I have all the answers yeah. because I don't. We can't demystify God. There's well, just things we can't understand. And maybe because it's so complicated. People don't even know what questions to ask. Right. Like that might be it. I have some questions, but I don't know if they're the right questions to ask to actually get to answers. Um, How how has the Trinity been explained to you? When I teach on the Trinity... Uh, using things that people, just like when Jesus taught in parables, things that we can relate to. So the primary kind of image that I typically share is I am a, I'm a daughter to my parents. I'm a wife to my husband. I'm a mom to my children. I'm still just me, but other people experience me in different roles. So that's been an analogy that I've used a lot. Uh, there's lots of others. In fact, I just learned of one, an egg analogy, where you have the yolk, you have the white part of the egg, and the shell. It's still just an egg. Um, there's lots of different analogies with water, uh, because water is such a rich biblical image that there's there's ice, and there's liquid, and there's steam. They're all or vapor. They're all they're all water, but it's one substance in different forms. So those are things that we can kind of relate to and realize, hmm, okay, God is a spiritual being. 
God was a physical being and God is is present with us. So it, it is, it's very, it can be very um, challenging to not oversimplify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, I think of the examples that you gave, the first example is my favorite is Karen is mother, Karen is daughter, Karen is wife, because you can be all three of those things at the same time. Absolutely. Like water can't be water, ice and gas all at the same time, no. you know? And I think that's the thing that it's like God in three persons, but all existing simultaneously in many different ways. Um, and in the ways that you've heard the Trinity explained, what are some of the ways that you like it explained? And one of the ways that you, some of the ways that you think um, it's doing a disservice maybe to the Trinity? That's a very good question. Um, I think when we try to hi- make a hierarchy, our Christian Protestant understanding and a United Methodist understanding is that each aspect of the Trinity they're co-equal. And in some traditions, even Christian traditions, there's a hierarchy with God the Father being supreme and then Jesus Christ and then Holy Spirit. So there's a pecking order, so to speak. So um, understanding that our our United Methodist understanding, our Christian understanding of Trinity is it's one God, mm-hmm. <laughs> one deity, and there is no, there can't be a pecking order if there's one, one substance. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's our natural human default to say, well, someone's got to be in charge. Like who's at the top of the pyramid, you know? Um, and especially with just the idea of a Trinity, a lot of times it's drawn out in a triangle and you have God, the father at the top top. and then the Holy spirit and Jesus, uh, Mm -hmm. connecting into the father. And I know there were some, uh, I, I'm not aware of the history completely, so I'm going to sound like an idiot to some people who they <laughs> they spent their whole life studying this. But I know that that's where there was like a divergence in denomination at one point was the understanding of the Trinity and whether you see God the Father as the top of the Trinity and the other stem from that. And there was like a, a difference in the way the apostles creed is said based on if you're Catholic versus mm-hmm. Orthodox versus Protestant. Right. In Eastern Orthodox traditions and depending on which theologians, Augustine and Tertullian and Constantine, I mean, there's so many different, I mean, treatises have been written and, and, you know, it, it's, there's so much, um, depending on which century (laughs) you're talking about. Um, It wasn't until the fourth century that actually the idea of the Trinity and that word came into into play with trying to understand. I mean, it was just held in tension, Mm -hmm. um, the scriptures and, and understanding kind of how how do we view God with this facet and this facet and this facet? And at the Council of Nicaea, and that's why our Nicene Creed um, articulates clearly God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So until the fourth century, it really mm-hmm. wasn't a term that was um, used and accepted and understood. 
I loved the the phrase you used of holding the tension. Um, and it's funny because that's specifically uh, when I was in therapy, one of the things my therapist said I had to work on is like not being so dualistic and mm. holding the tension of the world and how mm. multiple things can be true right. at the same time. Right. And I, I wonder if putting the Trinity into a definite construct yes. took away from some of that mystery and maybe we should just continue holding the tension of different ways that God can present God's self. Absolutely. And, and this was part of our discussion that uh, we were having today is Christian or, or theological constructs we we wrestle with and and we we have to have doctrinal standards in in, in our church and we have to have uh, where we define you know God the Father and we define who is Jesus and we define the Holy Spirit and all and other theological constructs of baptism or communion or whatever sanctification you name the words and we have it in writing what this means but it's our understanding and it and, and when we're super rigid and when we're super super uh, legalistic so to speak of well this is what it is and outside of that it doesn't exist or it can't when we explain and we've had this discussion before i just think we do a disservice to god when we have tidy answers and bumper sticker theologies yeah. around constructs and ideas that are, we can't even begin to understand. I yeah. mean, there's so much mystery in our faith, yet as we teach, as we read, God meets us at our point of need and will open up our, our hearts and our minds, yet to even articulate with, with my human brain and abilities, it, I feel like I do God a disservice yeah. because I've reduced to these three points, <laughs> a definition and these three supporting points. Yeah. And that's what I've always, I'd be interested to hear um, what your thoughts are of the roles and attributes of each mm -hmm. uh, leg of the Trinity, because I feel like I always had this um, understanding growing up of like, I have a solid understanding of who God the Father is, mm -hmm. solid understanding of who God the Son is. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit is just everything else. <laughs> like right. anything that I can't attribute to God the Father or God the Son is the Holy Spirit in some way. But I also, I've had the thought of like, how dare we claim that God can only show up in three different ways, mm, you know, yeah, like, right. and so I, I think I had this tendency of like going through scripture and looking at the different way God presents God's self. And an example is in the burning bush, you know, well, people have told me, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. Well, was it? Was it? Or did God show up as fire exactly. <laughs> in that moment? Right. Like we don't know. Right. And um, so it, it just kind of all of the different ways that God shows up in scripture mm -hmm. and for us to say it falls into one of these three categories feels like hubris yes, to me. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> it sure does. And to your point, when God showed up in the Old Testament, you couldn't see God and live. So... I mean, we're kind of going on <laughs> on, on uh, hearsay and rumors of what really happened because those people weren't allowed, weren't alive to testify to, you know, yeah. it just, there's so, there's so many, so many layers. So when you're looking at the Trinitarian theology, which, you know, doesn't hold all of the answers, what are some of the attributes that you put with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? When, when we were in seminary, when I was in seminary, kind of the, um, 
the terminology that was most taught or that that I grasped was um, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Hmm. That God the Father is the creator. But again, that limits God the Father because now the world's created. So now what? God does nothing. Uh, And then Jesus comes as our redeemer to redeem humankind, to teach us, to be, you know, to uh, instruct us, to love us, to be human, um, to model for us, all those things. And then the sustainer is the Holy Spirit. So if you think about Acts and Pentecost, that when Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave you a comforter. So then you think, oh, well, the Holy Spirit didn't appear on the scene until like the New Testament in the book of Acts. No, we believe the Holy Spirit was present, like I said, moving over the waters in Genesis at the creation of the world. But when we try to think chronologically, hey, here was God in the beginning, and then Mm -hmm. there was Jesus on the scene 2,000 years ago, and then after Jesus left, you know, then we had the Holy Spirit. No, we believe, Trinitarian theology, that they were all present, that God is one with these with these different um, manifestations, so to speak. Well, and it's funny because the worship series that we're doing on the Trinity, we've called Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, a play on the Oscar winning movie that mm-hmm. was talking about the multiverse and all of the different lives that you lead and how time is all is happening all at once. Time is not linear. It is uh, infinite and it's happening like all together at the same time right. and all of the, and we were like, man, that kind of sounds like the Trinity of like, it, it does. It's and all happening at once, right. but we experience it. Like we, we experience it chronologically because that's the way we understand time. That's the way we understand time. And I remember as a child thinking, okay, God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. I mean, all these one omni, but then encompassing everything else kind of words. And it just really does a number on you going, well, if God is here, there, and everywhere, if God is now, and God was then, and God is in the future, and God is in heaven, and God is on earth, and God is in the depths below. I mean, it's just, those are constructs that are, those are thoughts and ideas that are just, they're not- Too big. They're not mortal. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're too not, big. Yeah, our human understanding, I believe them to be true, but I can't explain it. I can't really fully understand it. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit? And you also brought up the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And I think that the term Holy Ghost confuses people because we have a very uh, concrete understanding of what a ghost is Mm -hmm. or how we view a ghost in our culture. Could, Could you talk a little bit about the United Methodist Church's understanding of the Holy Spirit and the relationship between the spirit and the ghost? Sure. Um, well, there, there are so many scriptures about the Holy Spirit, like I said, in Old Testament, even, and, and in the New Testament. And our understanding of the Holy Spirit is God with us, God moving among us. So when I pray on Sunday mornings, as I always do, especially in the 830 service, I always pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be present. Um, 
But wasn't that also Jesus? Because Jesus was called Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. us. Yeah. Exactly. But I think we have, I do, I'll just say for myself, an understanding of Jesus more in a human form. And that's what I was saying in our confirmation uh, lessons. There's multiple lessons on Jesus because there's Jesus, the man with a mom and a dad and brothers and the carpenter walking among us. And then there's Jesus, our friend and brother that is not on on walking the earth now. Um, and the Holy Spirit, it, it, there's a kind of a, in my my understanding, there's a blend, like you say, God is with us, God, Jesus is with us, Jesus is closer than a brother, yet it's not the Jesus with skin on. So the Holy Spirit is God moving among us. If I'm trying to make a decision and I ask God to help me make a decision, then I call on the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. If I invite the power, Holy Spirit to live in my heart, to move in my life, then I believe I'm, I can be directed and guided by the Holy Spirit. Not that I'm f- hearing voices, but I'm, I'm asking the ho- Holy Spirit to help me kind of be my conscience, be my guide. But you could just say the same about Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you accept Jesus into your heart, if you, because they're the same it's the same deity, the same being, the same God, just calling upon that spirit. We are spiritual beings, I believe that, having a human experience, and we downplay the spiritualness of our of our of our uh, earthly lives because we're flesh and and bone. But there's a thin veil, I believe, between this world and the next, and from where we came and where we'll go, and all of that. I don't understand all of that, but I believe it to be true. And when you look at the circle of life and and what Scripture says about life and death and birth, and um, but I believe the Holy Spirit. Back to your question, if I can remember even what it was. Sorry, <laughs> is um, is the most difficult to understand because if you think about God the Father, kind of like a parent, and I know mm-hmm. that that has a lot of baggage for some people. But if you think about God the Father like a, a an earthly father that kind of tends to and cares for and provides for and literally creates, then that's that's easier to understand. And Jesus as a friend, as a teacher, as a brother, those are those are adjectives. Yeah, we have we, human examples. Yes, we of have those human examples that we see every day. Every day we can relate to Jesus as a person, as a friend. But when you start talking Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, then you're like, I don't really kind of know how to relate to that because it's so foreign and it sounds so, um, you know, kind of, um, well, it's spiritual. (laughs) And it's something we can't see and it's harder to explain. It's one of those really annoying things that kind of makes me think of um, when you ask the question, how do I know if I'm in love or how right. do I know if it's the right person? And the answer is always, well, when you know, you, you know. know. <laughs> and for me, I thought I knew and then it ended in divorce and I was like, oh, oh I guess I didn't know. Oh. And so it's like um, the same with the Holy Spirit of mm-hmm. like, oh, well, when you feel it, you know it. And it's like, that's not helpful mm-hmm. because like what I think that there, I, we've had this conversation before of like, there can be a lot of manipulation and worship environments of like sure. the communal experience of how the lights are used, the sound sure. is used, mm-hmm. the sound system, right. like the ambiance, all the different things that can kind of trick you into thinking that you're having uh, 
a spiritual moment when it's just kind of been produced. And so I'm, I'm always in my head about like, am I really feeling the presence of the Holy spirit or am I feeling, um, a production that's been curated for me? Right. And that's a sensory, we call it enthusiasm and enthusiastic and emotional experience that's evoked by, you know, just like a book, you've got your, you know, your introduction and then you, you get to the, the climax of the, and then the denouement or whatever. Same thing in worship. We, we try to, open our hearts and our minds, because we come in, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes in a hurry or in a rush or distracted or whatever. And so you're right. It's been curated not to be manipulated, mm-hmm. not manipulated. Sorry, that's my eightness yeah, coming no, that's in. Okay. That's-, <laughs> that, that's not That's not the goal, but I see what you're saying. I mean, you have your prayers and music under and, and all of that so that we kind of are to the point where now I'm ready to hear God's word yeah, open and I know and that the hope is that we're helping people enter... Um, um, a mindset that allows them to open their heart, mm-hmm. let their guard down, be vulnerable in the moment. And, but sometimes I'm like, ugh, like it, it feels a little heavy handed sure. sometimes. Sure. I understand. I so, understand. But like with the, the Holy Spirit, um, is there a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost? Or are they the same thing, just different verbiage? I think just different verbiage, just like there's so many names for God. Yeah. It's just another term. We are spiritual beings, as I said. And when you think about ghosts, ghosts are spiritual beings. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you the the history of you know why the, the terms, but I think they're interchangeable. So when you... Um, I'm assuming you've felt the Holy Spirit before. Oh, sure. What does that feel like to you? Well, I'm going to go back to John Wesley. When John Wesley had his, you know, great awakening, and he said his heart was strangely warmed. And I believe that was the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when uh, Saul is is confronted, you know, on the um, on the way to Emmaus and, and is confronted his heart was changed. I believe that was the power of the Holy Spirit. I have felt the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes when I hear a song, I'll just get goosebumps. I think because I'm, I'm not, you know, outwardly very um, emotional. I mean, I'm enthusiastic, but as far as like tears or things like that, I, I kind of play that close to the vest. So when I really feel like, wow, I'm having a moment... <laughs> <laughs> that comes out of nowhere. Then there's no re- denying There's it. no denying. Yeah. It's like, wow. In fact, just this Sunday, we did a piece and it was joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And it was with bells and it was with Oregon and it was, you know, we practiced it. And and at the end, I sat down and I go, I just had a moment. I mean, I get caught up and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's not just because I thought it was beautiful, but the words, when I just allow myself to just be in the moment, then I feel like the Holy Spirit meets me there. Well, and it also makes me think like as our associate pastor over music and worship, um, you're not just sitting back listening to that song. You're directing, you're participating. There is administrative stuff that Mm -hmm. needs to happen. And yet somehow the Holy Spirit gets through all of that to say, Hey, you know, remember what we're doing here. Right. And I think that that's difficult to do too, as someone who works at a church, right? To be fully present in a worship experience right. when it's also your job to do so right. and to make a worship 
full experience for others is really difficult to do. It is. And sometimes that's what I'm saying. It's kind of sneaks up because it is hard. Sometimes you're just so worried about the next thing or things going right or the stress of this or that. And then when I can just kind of let it go and it just is what it is and the Holy Spirit meets us there. So I have felt the power and presence of the Holy Spirit a lot. And I've shared before, you know, in my childhood, um, I really felt like I wasn't alone in some, you know, some pretty dark times. And we all have those in our lives. And I love hearing other people's story when they really felt like, wow, I really can't explain this. Mm -hmm. It had to be God's presence. It had to be the power of the Holy Spirit that gave me the words to say when you're at a bedside of someone who's dying. I, on my own, don't have that poise, that composure, that presence of mind to say anything that's halfway intelligent or comforting. But the Holy Spirit does meet me there. And I'm just like, I pray, God, give me the words, give me, give me wisdom, give me, you know, and, and God does show up. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit kind of working, working in my, in my life, in my heart. Mm. So we've talked about, you know, before a worship experience or before you walk into a different, a difficult um, situation, sometimes you ask the Holy Spirit to be with you, to have guidance. Is that, but then sometimes it happens just out of nowhere. Suddenly you didn't invite the Holy Spirit in specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wonder, it feels to me like the Holy Spirit is not contained to Christianity. (laughs) Like it's something that anyone could feel at any moment. And it, it, it makes me wish that for others Mm. that, cause I've had those moments too, where, you know, I should have felt scared or I should have felt overwhelmed or I should have felt anxious or whatever it was. And I didn't. And I attribute that to like in a moment like that, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence. I just want everybody to have that feeling. And how do you access that when sometimes Mm. you invite it and sometimes it just happens? That's a very good that's a very good question and my mind was going to something else talking and thinking about the Holy Spirit and we were talking about you know in non kind of Christian uh, settings um, I don't know because I've always been a Christian um, but I believe that we are spiritual beings whether no matter what denomination or religion or no religion, there are spiritual forces at play, and we are spiritual beings. Whether we acknowledge that as Christians or as Buddhists or Hindu or Muslims or nothing, we're still spiritual beings, and there's still a God. Whether we acknowledge or um, understand, I, I believe that. It's, and that, that's another coming back to a Trinitarian kind of understanding. When, when we, as Christians, talk about grace, we talk about provenient grace— which is when we're being wooed by God into a relationship. So some would say that's God the Father. Then justifying grace, which we believe is is Jesus that came and justified us, made us right with God, that through Jesus we are justified, and that's a grace that we can acknowledge and accept. And then... um, a sanctifying grace. And so that has been attributed to the Holy Holy Spirit, where we're, we're sanctified and we um, live our lives as forgiven people, hopefully moving on to perfection is a United Methodist understanding. And that, that's been attributed to the portion of Trinity, that's Holy Spirit. So prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace are can, can also be terms for the Trinity. So whether or not you believe or accept Jesus— 
we still believe God is wooing you into a relationship. Whether you choose to engage, whether you choose to acknowledge is really up to the individual because there's free will. But I believe that spiritual forces are always in play regardless of how we respond. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there are um, common misconceptions or misunderstandings of the Trinity? Mm, I'm really not sure. I'm I'm not sure. I I was um, surprised to learn when I was uh, on maternity leave with one of my kiddos, I went to the Potter's house in Dallas Mm -hmm. to hear T.D. Jakes because I have enjoyed hearing T.D. Jakes' preaching. And this was a long time ago, and I learned that T.D. Jakes is not, does not have Trinitarian theology, doesn't believe in the Trinity. And a lot of prod, a lot of Pentecostal churches, they don't have a Trinitarian understanding of God. Jehovah Witnesses don't have a Trinitarian understanding. Um, LDS, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter- Latter-day Saints. So there are those denominations that are Christians that don't believe in the Trinity. And having grown up as a Presbyterian, saying the creeds, singing the doxology, the Gloria Patri, it was just so ingrained that I kind of really hadn't thought that others wouldn't kind of, Christians wouldn't see the same thing. But as I said, we've, we've put a word to a concept that to me makes perfect sense. But of course, I've grown up with that understanding. The Christian faiths that don't have a Trinitarian theology is the idea that there is only one and it is God the Father, or is the idea that God can be anything and can present God's self in any way? That's a good. That's that's a good question. I'm not really sure, yeah. um, because we believe in a, a monotheistic, you know, um, understanding of God. I'm really not sure, but I do know that they do ascribe um, more power to God the Father. Mm. But I'm really not. I couldn't articulate how they really understand Jesus and Holy Spirit apart from God the Father. Mm. So, for your personal faith. How do each of the arms of the Trinity feel different to you and support your faith journey in different ways? Like, when are you tapping in to each? I think I tap into all of them at this in the same way at the same time. I, I think when I pray, I don't always just say, you know, dear father or, you know, holy father or a lot of times when people pray, they'll use one aspect of God or Jesus, you know, dear Jesus or dear. I try to use different words for God, for Jesus, sometimes to the Holy Spirit, because I believe they're all one. So I don't know that I could say that I really distinguish. I experience God, you know, differently through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. But I don't think that like I said, I always invoke the power of the Holy Spirit in our worship, and when I pray in a group or my life group or a Bible study, but I can't say that I experience the different aspects of God uniquely. Mm. I don't think I do. Yeah. I Well, what, is there one that you particularly feel more connected to over others, or are they literally all blended together for you? You know, honestly, I think I would say the Holy Spirit. Because that, even though it's the most mystery, I have no, I'm comfortable with mystery because I know intellectually 
I'm not all that, and I can't figure it out, and I'm no stunning theologian. I have training and plenty of books to read, but the more you know, the more you know you don't know. And so um, I think sitting in that mystery of God present with me now, in the future, in the past— I don't know. There's comfort to me in that because, you know, God is is lofty yet personal. God, you know, it, it's just I think that the the Holy Spirit is probably what I s- seek and um no, that's that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm comfortable in the mystery and that's the most mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. And faith is it's like Hebrews 11, you know, one says what is this quote, um, faith is, you know, seeing what, what, you, what you can't see. It's not faith if you already know it's concrete and you can prove it. That's, there's not a whole lot of faith involved in that. It's when the bottom falls out. It's when you can't see what's around the corner. That's faith. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll, you know, I'll talk all day about because I believe it. I've experienced that mystery and God always comes through. See, I feel the same way. Like the Holy Spirit is my girl. I love her. <laughs> I love her. And it, it's it's just this um, because I crave the mystery, mm-hmm. I think. And like I don't like having answers yeah. when it comes to faith. And I feel like when I am given an absolute answer of faith, mm-hmm. I automatically push back on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, no, you can't say that with certainty. Yeah. Um, and I think that we as humans, we want answers. Like we want to know, okay, what are exactly the things I, and it's in the name Methodist. What is the method to get closer to God? But the Holy spirit just seems to throw everything out the window. And it's like, just be present, just be with me, you know? And there's nothing, it doesn't feel, it almost feels like, um, we're experiencing God together, even though mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is God. It's, right. it's I don't know. I it don't even know. It feels more how to... unique to to me. Yeah, that this is kind of my my deity in my life working in my life. Um, yeah, to your point, we we put God in a box and and the easy explanations. And of course, when we teach, when we learn, when we you know come to faith. Of course, we want to understand and have definitions and explanations, but I don't like demystifying God because it just feels very disrespectful (laughs) to minimize and have a a quick answer for these really um, difficult and wonderful um, attributes of God. Yeah. And I think the Holy Spirit to me feels... um, less authoritative Mm. and more connecting Yes, of like, this is the way that I experience spirituality on a daily basis, as well as with other people. Um, And it's just a very unique feeling. And sometimes I feel, although I understand um, the humanity of Jesus, I feel disconnected from it because what you were describing earlier of like, okay, well, there was the human Jesus in a body that was on earth for a finite amount of time, but then there is the resurrected Jesus who is with us in eternity. I don't, I don't 
feel a relation to the resurrected Jesus. I feel related to the human Jesus, Mm -hmm. but also I don't feel the need to pray to the human Jesus because I'm like, well, the human Jesus isn't here anymore. Mm. Like that was a moment in time. And so that's also really hard for me to understand as well as like when we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are which son are we talking about? Mm. And I don't feel like I know as much about the resurrected Jesus as I do the human Jesus. Um, because that's where more mystery comes right, in absolutely. and it, it does start that blending of like the resurrected Jesus and the Holy Spirit are kind of one in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you don't have flesh and blood, your spirit, yeah, <laughs> your spiritual being, how do you think the doctrine of the Trinity, um, impacts Christian beliefs and practices. Cause I know like we have the apostles creed, the Nicene creed, like mm-hmm. all of these things that we do, but do you think that the Trinity plays a role in how we worship? In how we worship. I mean, there, we, we want to invoke the power of the presence of the Holy spirit. We want to worship God um, and give thanks to God. I mean, there's there's rubrics to worship, confession, prayer, um, uh, and so yeah. If we didn't have all three aspects, that's an interesting thing to think about. I think because I have such a my understanding is one. I don't kind of peel back the onion in worship and think, oh, this is this is <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna praise just Jesus. Oh, mm-hmm. we're gonna praise just God the Father. Oh, now we're gonna praise. It's just, to me, it's so synthesized that I don't really think about it. Because mm. I guess what, I, what I'm getting at, and probably our final question that we'll roll around in today, um, why does the Trinity matter? Why is it even needed? Like, it, it feels very um, mysterious, but like, do we really need this construct in our faith? That's a good. That's a good question. Um, is it needed? Well, I guess when when you look at Scripture, when we read all the passages of God the Father and Jesus the Son and and the Holy Spirit, you have to do something with it. Otherwise, we have three distinct gods, and uh, so I think that's what a lot of of theologians have wrestled with. Do we believe in three gods? Is Jesus separate from God the Father, like my daughter is separate from me? I mean, they, they had to wrestle with these constructs. And um, so our our Trinitarian understanding of God is just taking Scripture and then putting a name to a theological construct. So I guess the fear was if we don't put a construct around this, uh, will will be a polytheistic, tritheistic, tritheistic mm-hmm. uh, religion. Absolutely, is that bad? Like, are we told in scripture, like as Christ followers, that Je- Jesus specifically tells us there is only one? One, yeah. okay, one. What? Yeah, and and when Jesus is talking about my Father. Uh, you could take that as okay. Jesus is separate from God. This yeah. is this is the Daddy. This is the Son. So yeah, there there would be that danger of. But then you know Jesus says, God says, I'm a jealous God. There's no other gods before me in singular. And and God says, I am that I am. When they're just like, Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I am 
that I am. That's what that's what God said. Not we are who we are. Yeah. Or you know. It, so it, you have to take all of that. I, I'd like to just take one second because this is just literally two sentences. But this is our faith in the Holy Trinity. So when people say, "Oh, this is what Methodists believe," or whatever, there's only one. <laughs> We have doctrinal standards in the United Methodist Church. They can't be changed. That Nobody can change them. Even This is gen- not something you vote no, on. No, yeah. this is not an annual conference, general conference, you know, kind of thing. These are our doctrinal standards. They don't change. And so I just wanted to read, this is what, what United Methodist believes in the Holy Trinity. There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body or parts, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power and eternity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That is a United Methodist understanding of who the Trinity is. One Godhead, the Godhead, but three persons. But then we think, well, people are individuals. Yeah. So if we intertwine the, the, the word individual with person, but... I like to say facets of or, uh, you know. I like expressions of expressions God. Expressions like of God. These gods. are expressions of God. And that's where I step into the mindset of like the Trinity is a way for us to understand God, but is it the only way? Is it the only way mm. for us to be in relationship with God is through one of these three persons? I don't, I think God is bigger than that. Like I think that, and I don't have an answer of like, well, I've experienced right. God as a dragon, you right, know, or right. anything like that. But it's just like something inside me is like, there's, it's gotta be infinite. Like it's yes. gotta be infinite expressions of God because, uh, if not, then it just feels like a human construct and we're trying to put God in a box and then take God out of a box and put God in a different box and, mm. you know, all of these different things. See, I almost think the opposite Yeah, that it's, it's, it's more life giving than putting God in a box when you have a, a um, an understanding of three facets or three persons of the Godhead, because as we we try to be sensitive to those that don't have a good relationship mm-hmm. with the heavenly with their with their earthly father. So when we say God the Father, if that's like oh I can't really relate, well then perhaps you have a you know you can relate to Jesus, you can relate to a spiritual being or a consciousness. Um, so I, I believe that God is so big that to me it's it's less limiting than just singular God the Father or just Jesus Christ. And so to me, it's not limiting, but I can see the danger of three distinct gods. And 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 think about throughout, you know, um, throughout the history of Christianity and all the deities of, you know, ba- Balaam and, you know, all these gods and kings that thought they were gods and yeah. worship Which me. God do you worship? Right, yeah. right. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar or whatever. I mean, so God was real clear. I'm God. That's it. Period. You know, mm-hmm. there are no other gods. Um I don't know. It's 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 interesting to think about. It's amazing that all of this caught on. <laughs> And that's where you have to attribute it to the Holy Spirit. Because like when you were talking about Jesus preaching that there is one God and but I am God mm-hmm. as well. Like how how were people like how oh, yeah. mind blowing? How <laughs> my, it's such a bold 
statement. That's why he was crucified. It's such a bold out of the box. Who'd have thought that? However, a lot of, a lot of rulers said, well, I'm God. So that wasn't unique. Yeah. But because God had, you know, because Jesus was truly God, we believe it was truly God. He had, he had the power of the Holy Spirit changing hearts and changing lives and people being healed and eyes were opened. And it was a, it was a spiritual supernatural kind of, um, turn its turn the world on its ear instead of just a a rich or powerful person saying oh yeah i'm god worship me mm-hmm. jesus was the people's god because jesus wasn't what they were expecting jesus wasn't the power player mm-hmm. there was humility right. and uh generosity mm-hmm. and all of these things that it's like in in that time being a God was all about power, all about power and money and mm-hmm. whatever it is, status. Um, and I guess it's the same way we think about that today yes. is like yes. to be truly, I think that we've gotten caught up in that in the Christian church of like, we value power and money and status um, rather than humbling ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. yeah. I won't say I'm any less confused than I was when we started. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many questions or how many conversations I've had about the Trinity and have just left the conversation with a furrowed brow. Mm. Like I know less than I knew before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's just one of those things that we continue, like you said, to wrestle with. Right. And I'm excited. Um, that we're we've got a series now on Me the Trinity because it's true we've we've never really addressed we it don't directly. unpack it typically yeah. it's just assumed it's intimidating Father to Son and though. Holy Spirit it is yeah. it is because to your point when it's not directly this is what it is in Scripture black and white you know a very thou shalt not steal kind of construct then you're like oh okay well what about this and what about that and was the holy spirit here and was jesus there and how do you... yeah it's it is it's something that's mystery yet we believe in one triune god hmm. well karen thank you so much for Absolutely. doing this episode with me and bringing me all your knowledge oh, i, I appreciate <laughs> it thank you so much Alyssa. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org, and I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.